Roadshow, episode number 303. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is not with me, but back under great demand, of course. The oh, people yeah. have, have said we must have. It's hot tea making the journey to Fight Island once again. And we can't say award nominated anymore because the awards <sighs> have happened. And that's why I'm glad you had me on this platform today, John. We need to stop the steal, guys. Okay, oh we need to goodness. get there. I demand a recount. <laughs> Let's count these votes again. I won. Recount them. You know what, listen. By a lot. As far as I'm concerned, you were still from the World MMA Award nominated, the Mac Life. I mean, yes, it's an award that already happened. Yep. It's an award that, that neither one of us took home. We both left losers that night, empty-handed. Runners up. Runners up. I, I think we were tied for second place. I, did, I didn't see the exact uh, you know results, but I'm pretty sure we were yeah, tied yeah, for second yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was good to have you. We are here in Fight Island. It's our third trip to Fight Island. Uh, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. I want to say, first of all, I feel really bad for the newbies <laughs> that are here for the first time. The young Mike Bond is one of them. He's, uh, he's over grinding in his room right now. Oh, that sounds terrible. He's working really hard right now. <laughs> and also uh, grinding. And also grinding. Uh, but, you know, there's some like some UFC staff and some other people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fighters, of course, and corners. But, you know, they've, they've been promised this, you know, Instagram vacation where you can go down to the beach and everybody goes to the cage. I don't even know if the cage is still down on the beach right now. We can't get to it anymore. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit different experience now, right? It's, I mean, look. Not gonna complain. We're here for work, right? So at the end of the day, we can do. You know, we we got our work, but we got less restaurants available. We got oh. less less specials, John. Well, the, sir, sir, I was building to that part. I was I was getting to the part that seemed like it was big, right? No access to the beach, right? No access to the F one track. Awful. You know, all of the entertainment things that we were doing. I, that that is bad. But man, they they hit the heart, man. They hit the heart. Stills. We're not in the office right now. We are in the Crown Plaza. I mean, that is the host hotel once again. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful hotel. In fact, we are in my room right now. Yeah, it's an amazing room. Lovely. I might have the best room in the hotel. If not, you might have the best room in the hotel. They have taken care of us. Can't complain. Cannot complain. However, <laughs> I will complain. <laughs> people that listen to the MA Road Show know that when we're in Fight Island, we're coming to you from Stills. Yeah, that's the office. But they have done away. With the drink specials. And now, no matter what time of day you go there, it is a $12 beer. And, sir, <laughs> I, I just the, – the, the MMA junkie budget, the USA Today budget, the Gannett budget, the John Morgan budget? Yeah. I can't swing that. Well, man, I, a lot of been was made out of the Fight Island experience being a thing for Abu Dhabi about promoting tourism. And I would argue that no one's promoted stills more than we have. And if anyone's coming for a Fight Island experience – and has, has listened to this show, I defy anyone to say they weren't going to go to Stills. In the history of Stills, they've never gotten that much love. Free advertisement every single week. Probably never served that much beer either. Well, and, well, you know, listen, we can't be sure why they stopped the specials. A UFC security guy did say maybe. Some people had been selfish and, and uh, you know, misbehaved uh, before. Uh. I, I, I can't speculate as to who that might be. That could try, I mean, that could be anybody. It certainly could be. It could, could, be, it could be It could be the guy who... <laughs> could be John Morgan and, could be. and Hot Tea. Yeah. Could be Oscar Willis. We'll never know. Sometimes people get loud. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about... You know, one of the things we always... We like to talk about the fights. We like to pre... But everybody does that. That was the whole basis of the road show that's been largely taken away from us in 2020 is the yes. fact that we travel and we the get out show. there. And we, exactly, that's it. We tell you what it's all about. So um, let's just say it, it, it's way different this time. I want to be clear, though. 
no less commitment to safety. I don't. I don't feel like they're they're half-assing anything. I don't feel like uh, you know the the the, the things are being done differently. I mean, I, I, probably the transition between zones. So basically, we used to have one big safe zone. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was literally physical barriers where people could not drive into the safe zone. And the whole thing started with tests back home and then the charter flight and all that still exists. But when we get here now, basically you've got, uh, they call it safe areas now. You've got the Crown Plaza. Mm-hmm. You've got the W Hotel where the athletes and the USC staff are. And then you have Eddie Hot Arena. Uh, and then between those, there's no more walking. So you can't just get out there in foot traffic. You have to take uh, shuttles. You know, we were, I mean, I do feel like there's still a, 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 a commitment to safety. I don't feel like, oh my gosh, this is dangerous, or oh my gosh, they're not paying attention anymore. But it's just a, it's just a lot different now, right? I mean, in between those zones, there's just like cars and stuff out on the street. Yeah, and in a way, I actually think they're paying attention to safety more because I don't know that it because it feels a little bit more open. I, for example, I feel. Uh, before, if you sort of approached the barriers, they would look at you. But I feel like if you crossed out of the hotel into like the the real world, which is like seven feet away from the door, right? You wouldn't be back in. No, like at all. It's you're right. You know that is one thing that is now because it's not a whole zone. It's just the buildings. You you notice they have security at the at the yeah, at the door exactly. that's watching in and out and who's in. Yeah, they're definitely paying attention to what's going on. Yeah, so I think they're actually a little bit more strict. And um, I've heard you know so. In the media room, a lot of reminders to keep wearing the masks right. and stuff like that. Little things. Uh, today we went to the Etihad Arena. I'm sure we'll talk about it, but yeah. you know, a reminder: sanitize your hands, sanitize your hands, and stuff like that. So I think they, the safety thing, it seems as much, if not more, than ever. Yeah. Big, which is ironic because the bubble is so tight. But yeah, I feel more safe, I suppose. It's weird. I just, I just want to make that clear because even though everything is shrinking and everything's a little bit different, I just want to make sure that people understand. It's not as if you know. The UAE is just decided, like, ah, don't worry about it. It's fine. No, they're you know, not negating their duties. I feel I, I, there's still. I, I don't know how much is that the UAE or how much is the UFC. True. Or a combination of both, but I don't. They, they're not slacking. No, not at all. Now we, you, you touched on, so let's just get into it. We did get a, a brief sneak preview of Eddie Hot Arena today. And, Half of it. And I will say, yeah, exactly. <laughs> very, very brief. Um, you know, and it's funny because I feel like. I feel like it's the first time we came here as Fight Island, we were talking about the possibility of yeah. Etihad, right? And then it was the second time maybe it would be Etihad, and, and now it's finally the third time. And even that, um, you know, wasn't necessarily certain until about a week ago or what have you. So this arena has been built. It's been under construction for a while. And I, I guess I just want to say, I mean, if we're being fair – now, listen, we were in there a very, very brief period of time today, but if you're just being honest, it's not done yet. I mean, no. the, the places that you will see on television – the bowl, um, the walkouts. I mean, that stuff's done. Like, it, it's going to be a nice arena. Like, it looks really – I mean, it's it, the part inside is cool, but if we're just being honest, it's not a complete arena yet. Yeah, in fact, when you saw it today, the very idea they were having it ready for the last one is laughable. It, it's, uh, in my opinion, it's probably 50% complete right. because, like you said, the bowl, the, the arena itself seems well on construction, but, I mean, you know – there's about a hundred people in there with hard hats and high visors on still working. I yep. mean, we're talking about a very, like you said, what you see on TV. Will, it's going to look nice. It's going. In fact, I think it will be a very nice arena once completed. I th- it looks very. They've got luxury suites in there. It's yeah. uh, they're you know they're building the concourses out. They're doing all. I that. don't think there's going to be a bad seat in the house. It looks like very nice yeah. sort of sloped seating, so you can have a good view and stuff like that. It's shaped like an amphitheater as well, so it's like a a, a U around the the pitch, whatever right. the fuck's going to be in there. It is kind of cool, though, that we've got this, I mean, permanent structure, right, to know. Because, I mean, as, as Dana White continues to say, like, look, 
Abu Dhabi's playing in our plans for a while. You know, whether it's Fight Island. Or I just can't. But when you but when you saw it today, John, it is fucking ridiculous. They thought like last time Khabib was going to be in. That the, is what I makes me. That was what makes me wonder because again, how, on yeah. TV it's going to look fantastic, and we know now two thousand fans. We could see by the way that it, you know plexiglass was being installed to, to keep fans. So there's going to be some kind of physical barrier. I still don't know if there's going to be fans on the floor or not. I mean, I don't. I'm not sure. I think there are going to be people on the floor, but not necessarily fans who are able to purchase the ticket. Yes, yes, yes. Those will be the VIPs that were I, also I, in the uh, from, Flash Forum last time. Uh, from what I can gather, that's it's going to be um, yeah, an assembly of people on the floor. It's going to be a nice arena, but just to be, if we're being 100% honest, it's, it's not completely done yet. It's it's going to get there, but I will say this. I don't think the broadcast are going to be able to tell any of that at all because you know the part that you can see on TV is, is, is going to be nice. Uh, the plexiglass thing is interesting, though, right? Is that going to stifle the sound? That's what I'm curious about as well, too. So the, so, And that's why I wonder if there's going to be people on the floor. So as we walked in there, and again, it was just in through. Uh, it's a construction zone, right? We were wearing hard hats. We were wearing the, the high-vis vest, like you said. Um, and we were basically told, don't stop moving. Yes. Keep going. Do not stop and take pictures. Do not stop and take video. You know, a couple of people snuck in a little social media shot here and there. Uh, but we didn't get a chance to really study and inspect it. Um, but it did seem like, you know, you got the lower bowl – and then there's plexiglass that it kind of reminded me of a like a hockey rink, right? Where there's but but mm-hmm. instead of being like the boards and then the glass, it was literally just plexiglass that was probably I don't know six feet, seven feet tall, something like that. I mean, that's why I wondered if there was going to be people on the floor because that's clearly blocking those people there. But like you said, what kind of sound? I su- uh, I, I the more we talk about it, I suspect that the people listening to it, you probably won't get a shot of the fans. Because if you know Dana and he's running the production, keep it nice and dark. I, I, I think he, because also not just plexiglass. When we were walking up by the the seats, I could see like a green tick for where you could sit. Right. And then there's like four or five seats until the next one. You know, yeah, it's yeah. very, very, so very. Yeah, they were like marking the floor. I could see that too. Where it was like, yeah, very, no. very socially distant. So I think on TV, it's going to look. If Dana's like concern is I don't want a half filled arena, it's going to look like a very sparse crowd. Right. And I think on TV, it actually probably won't look that nice and I think if Dane is worried about the optics and the spectacle he probably might want to steer clear of that and I'm yeah I don't see it kind of interesting about that that is such an interesting dynamic and I think it's important to to notice because I saw a lot of people going oh they, Dana had to go back on what he said it's, I saw that too it's that was key weird to remember he always said from the beginning and maybe it's just one of those things that it wasn't a big news item but we just heard him talk on he always said I will allow them to do anything they want. They have been a great partner yeah. to me. They can do whatever they want. So I don't know. I just, you know, not that I'm defending anything. Like, I, I'm not. But I just, I saw people going like, oh, the UFC had to cave on this one. They were always pretty clear. We're going to let Abu do whatever they want. Abu Dhabi do whatever they want to do. Um, I, I, I'm interested to see how it comes out. You know I mean? I'm interested to see how it's how it's done. And, um I mean, look, we've seen the safety protocol that's in place. It seems like that's going to be extensive as well. You know, you got to have the, the rapid test in place. There's all these things. I mean, they've, they've got a ton of rules. It's not like you can just buy a ticket and walk in. You have to have a test taken within 48 hours. Right. Uh, and if you don't show your result on the night of, you don't get a refund. They just tell you to fuck off. That's crazy, yeah. right? Oh, no. I mean, it's I mean, it's not their fault, but it is yeah. why. Can you imagine, like, if you just, for whatever reason, you just weren't informed. You bought informed. a package deal. That's what I'm saying. You just weren't <laughs> informed and you didn't know. And you're like, dude, I'm going. Like, ah, we're, you know, and then you show up and they're like, sorry, bro, you're out. Yeah. Like, oh. And it's not like, so I heard, <laughs> I heard that they originally in the package deal, testing was included. Right. And then they're like, ah, fuck them. 
No, you got a good job. We might be able to get a few refunds out, like maybe get a few new seats. Well, let's be honest. I think most of the people that have purchased tickets is probably not going to be too bothered by the. The uh, funny thing is, you know, I know a few people who got tickets from from Ireland and the UK. Really? I know a few people, yeah. They were not that expensive. The most expensive ticket was a diamond ticket, which is good marketing for Dustin. But I think it was. (laughs) I think it was like only $1,500, like. Dollars, which that's I mean that's that's definitely not a lot. That's I mean that's that's not that expensive for for a McGregor fight. Not for a Conor McGregor. Like if fight. that was in Madison Square Garden, you're looking five G's for oh, yeah, for absolutely. a decent seat. Even T-Mobile these days is probably twenty five hundred. And we're talking like you're one of two thousand as well. That's a unique experience they could charge, especially for the people in this region. Yeah, they could bump up that, and they I they kept it low. In fact, maybe that's part of Dana's thing where he's like, look, fuck it, we'll have two thousand fans, but like just just get real fans, get in some real people in here. No interesting all right we'll get into all that in a second we'll talk about the card itself i, I did want to ask a little bit about you right because it's funny here we are we're already talking about conor mcgregor right um and, and how can you not i mean you come into this three fight series and there's no question that we're looking ahead to conor mcgregor but what i guess i wanted to ask from your point of view is i mean again there's no question that that, that that's the marquee matchup that's the marquee name he's the biggest name in the history of of sport but um man for you right now what's what's the energy like for you because here's what i wonder Right now, everybody's focused on two videos. So the thing about two videos, you still have a lot of work to do on the ground mm. in terms of UFC on ABC One, in terms of UFC on ESPN Twenty. But I know you've got to be excited too, right? I mean, this is, of course, everybody gets excited about Conor McGregor fight, but this is, it's just, it's your boss. I mean, it's so that it's you, you know, you know, there's a, a little bit more tie-in or whatever. So I mean, are you able to? to push that off to the back a little bit and think about these other two cards? Or are you like all 257 right now? <laughs> as, the, as the lid of proper 12 has popped off there. Well, that's just describing my energy. right? Oh, fuck, that was a big pull. Um, yeah, look, man, I I can't deny my priorities. And it's not just like it's what's expected of me in my role here. It's like, you know, if... Uh, if Paul Felder's in front of me, he's going to get asked about fucking Conor McGregor right. because that's the sort of stuff that my site would like me to of course. to report on. Uh, <laughs> for the listeners, John is being a very professional man and not, not commenting on perhaps my stress levels throughout the day today, <laughs> uh, which I appreciate and we won't go into too well, much. Well, I, I will say, yeah, you, you, you ha- I mean, you ha- first of all, you had to, you had to leave. Our Wi-Fi is not the greatest here. No. Of course, you were getting a, a, an exclusive interview with Conor McGregor, and you had to go to another hotel to do that. Then you've got to turn that whole thing around while we've got other activities going on. And it look, yeah, trying to trying to do it on the bus as we're like clinging <laughs> to the last second of Wi-Fi. And I'm like, hit publish, hit publish, hit publish. But uh, I did notice the stress levels. You were trying to get things done today, but it's, I just wondered. I mean, a lot of pacing, a lot of pacing, yeah. and. Um, so I appreciate that, and I appreciate not necessarily going into detail as to <laughs> how bad it was. But yeah, it's a Conor McGregor card for me comes with a lot of pros and a lot of cons. I I'll go back to the this one's a bit weird because of COVID and, and all that sort of stuff. But I'll go back to the Cerrone fight last year in January. Right. I got an exclusive with Dana White one on one, first mm-hmm. time ever. I got an exclusive with Kavanaugh, first time ever. Roddy, first time ever. Connor, first time ever. And then Tyson Fury randomly. Wow. That's crazy. I that, don't remember that. Yeah, that was a good week for me. Yeah, you yeah. know, you know, not bad. So to get that good so- career for some people, no, not too bad. <laughs> so to get that sort of access is obviously immensely uh, satisfying, rewarding. You're talking, and you know, if we're if we're being candid, like as a young person, well, as a person trying to get into this career and make something of themselves, it's a great opportunity to get yourself out there. So that's the massive pluses of it the negatives of it are like you're dealing with a fuck it like the stakes are very high yeah 
biggest star in the sport. You know, and maybe for people like Ariel, I'm sure Ariel probably feels it too and stuff like that, who's been doing this for so long yourself. But Ariel and Connor like, would do an interview probably every time. Right. And maybe Ariel feels a bit more confident in his stuff. Me and Connor don't have only started doing interviews together. And there's always a feeling for me that if I fuck this up <laughs> and I don't get my website this interview, like that's so bad. And the, so, so the stakes always feel like so... I mean, you probably even saw me today. John was like working in the room while I was waiting for this interview. I'm just sitting there in silence, just staring at the laptop screen, like, any minute now. Yeah, and I never thought about that. Like, I mean, obviously, a Conor McGregor interview is a big interview for anybody, right? I mean, it's a big interview for any website, any outlet, anything, whatever. But at MMA Junkie, if the Conor, you know, interview doesn't go great, yeah, we've got about 20 other interviews we got to bang yeah. out that day. We'll try to make it up somewhere else. But yeah, for the Mac Life, yeah. the you, Mac Life interview with Conor McGregor needs to go good. Well, it needs to it needs to happen at all. Yeah, it needs to happen at all. And if you and you just know, if you fuck it up, you know, make a tech issue. Mate, stop. Wi-Fi doesn't connect. Stop. Okay, yeah, I'm not even going to No, no, it's like the fucking <laughs> first time I recorded an interview with Zoom and the whole time, like, while he's talking on screen, I just kept moving the mouse to see the little thing was still <laughs> recording. I was just, pr- like, pr- like, just, uh So, yeah, it, it, the pressure comes from that too. And then I I, I, I learned quite early on in the, the sport, and we've spoken about this on the show before, about it's quite hard to remain unbiased sure. to a certain degree. And a lot of people who are on the outside looking in think that it is. And I can just tell you that if you have the opportunity to talk to a dude who's interesting and talk to a dude who doesn't speak English and is really, really dull, eventually you're going to want to see the guy who's really interesting win because it does more for you and, right. and so on and so forth. I mean... So when your entire website is... A- amplify is... that by about fucking 8,000. Yeah. You know, fight nights are not... So, oh, mate, like the Khabib fight night, the Cerrone fight night. Tense. Tense. Yeah. Don't think I can speak English by the time he's walking through the cage. I think it's <laughs> mostly just cussing and... But well, that confirmed a lot of what I assumed was what goes through your head. And it's, so it's, it's crazy, right? Because normally... Uh, and I will, and say, I will say this as well, just quickly. I will say, it's not that like... Uh, I, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say I want him to win. Sure, like something, but of course. It's not like I, I need him to win. Like, oh my God, he's got to win. But there's, there's an element of like... Please, just nothing like fucked up happen or embarrassing right. happen. Like, let's just this. I think this, and to I'll give myself some credit. The site is at a point now where I don't think it lives and dies on him, his winning right, or losing. Right, right. You know, I think no, we, we're no. quite a successful website. We passed one million subscribers on YouTube today. Congrats! Thank you very much. Now give me that fucking award. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, I don't think we live and die on that. But I think you know, he's very important. He's very important, and and it's not just us. His success lifts everyone's interest in the sport and stuff like that so just it's that everybody's yeah literally everybody yeah everyone's traffic goes up yep. just that but times it by 10 <laughs> yeah. that's intense man and it's different too because this is so unique in the fact that you know we're doing these bunched up cards right and i mean normally mm. it, not that connor's not the the spotlight here he is there's no question about it and, I, and listen by the way we're talking a lot about conor mcgregor here. i'm not trying to take away from dustin poirier or anything like that but let's let's be honest i mean Connor's the big star, and of course, he worked for the Mac Life, so it just makes sense. I mean, I'm excited. I love Dustin. Dustin. Oh, dude, I love, love Dustin. So, so, saw, him, saw him jogging today, didn't we? Did he you? Was out there on the street. Oh, yeah. Did you not see him? Yeah, it was, it was, as we were coming back from Eddie Hotterini, he was out there already doing a little run with uh, with Mikey Brown, getting, yeah. a little, getting a little work in. So uh, it was good to see him out there today. I look forward to talking to him. But yeah, it's interesting because um, it's so here's what I'm interested about the way they set this thing up, right? Of course, it makes sense. So you've got this, you know, three events in eight days. 
it starts out on ABC. Network television. Amazing, right? I mean, and you know it's going to be a six-hour commercial for the pay-per-view, right? <laughs> I mean, you're going to see so many promos. Here's Max Holloway, who oh. was beaten by Conor McGregor. <laughs> it's going to be, uh, you know, so that's great. So you start out on network television. Then you go on the Wednesday to ESPN, right? I mean, not network television, but one of the biggest cable networks there is, of course, the premier sports destination, blah, blah, all leading into the $69.99 pay-per-view where they would like you to sign up for. Um, so it's like you have this extended promotional period. But it's weird, too, because we don't have the full week built around the yeah. fight, right? We got, I mean, on Wednesday night, we've got a lot of work to do. So I don't know. On the one hand, I understand the heck out of it, especially from a promotional standpoint. I think from us as an operational standpoint, it's weird. Like, we're not going to get to – I don't know. Like I don't. I feel like the website is going to be like almost distracted from the big star, and that's so. It's a little bit weird. Yeah. Well, do you know how many times we've, you know, as people who work in this or as fans, we've said, "Oh, that, that card," you know, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of build for that card, and then you'll always say, "Well, they're going to they're start building after this weekend," right. you know, because then it's the next card, and you think, oh, "Okay, well, what? So you're going to start building for a Connor fight on Thursday, exactly after the next one?" So I do feel I, I it makes. No disrespect to Neil Magny or, or Michael Chiesa. No. I think it might have made sense when Hamzat and Liam were fighting because that was a big fucking fight. Sure. So I think that was like the the nice little pop on the way. Right, the, to, new, the new star. Yeah, that I, I think that would have been really tasty. And you know Hamzat would have said something about Carter. You know, it would have been kind of a part and parcel of it. Yeah. I think a little bit that's been lost. I wonder if maybe the Wednesday card's a bit of a burden now. Rather than because uh, it was built around that fight, and I love those two guys, so it's not a personal. Yeah, yeah, no, it, dude, I, it's just. I mean, in the in the ramp up to a Conor yeah. McGregor pay per view, in the ramp up to one of the biggest events of the year, it seems weird to have a Wednesday. Card. I will say, and I, I'm sure it'd be ridiculous to assume otherwise. It's partly design. They do manage to wrangle about as many storylines attached to McGregor as they can when he's fighting. So you got Holloway, you know, you got Poirier, you got Hamzat, who's been having a bit of beef. Yeah. Khabib happens to be in town. You know, it's just funny a, how that works out. It's just always like little. What a bunch of coincidences. Yeah. That's funny. All right, well, listen, uh, before we get into the car this week, we will talk about uh, UFC on ABC1, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, but you mentioned, you know, last year around this time, getting your first one on one with Dana White. Well, you got another one this week. We'll talk about yours, but I don't have the rights to yours. So we'll play the conversation <laughs> that I had. Uh, I also, you and I both, uh, it was it was fun, actually. You and I, we, we thought we were in kind of a media block of, yeah. of it turns out it was just me and you. Oh, man. Uh, it was, it's it good was, to be the king, isn't it, John? Good to be the king. <laughs> yeah, it was funny, man. We thought we were like, oh, we'll show up and there'll be like 10 people. We're like, oh, Oh, no, just the two of us. So yeah. we, we both had a chance to get one-on-ones uh, with UFC president Dana White. And uh, I'll play I'll play mine since I don't have the, the audio rights to, to, uh, to the Mac Life's work. But then we'll talk about it all. So here is uh, my conversation with Dana White. Well, Dana, you said, I mean, 12 months ago, we didn't even know what Fight Island was, right? And now here we are kicking off the year in Fight Island. So, I mean, are these trips still, like, special to you? What's the feeling? And how much is Fight Island going to play into to 2021? Yeah, it's good to be here right now. I'm, I'm happy to be here again. It was the perfect amount of time uh, in between trips. And uh, I don't know, man. I, I don't know how long we're going to keep doing. I mean, we're going to be doing fights in Abu Dhabi forever. But um, I, I don't know how long this is going to go on. But as long as we need to put on international fights and get people in from all over the world, Fight Island is going gonna, is, is gonna to live on. Do you have a guess right now? I mean, I know everything's unpredictable. Do you have a guess at, like, how many times we'll be out here, how many cards will be held here in 2021? I have no idea yet. I'm just taking this thing fight by fight, you know. I mean, last time we talked, you know, we did the five-week stint here. I didn't know when we were going to come back. But what made sense was the end of January, and here we are. Nice. 
limited fans in the building, right? I know you said you want to wait, but you had always said Abu Dhabi, you let them do what they want because they're great partners. What's your feeling? As you know, we're going into this. I mean, are you excited to have fans there? Are you nervous at all about, you know, how it'll work operationally? What's, what's your feeling on it? Nah, I mean, if you notice what we've been doing at the uh, Apex and here is I made sure that we always ran an in-house show at the fights so those guys stayed on their game and, you know, um, no, this is going to be a show just like any other show. Yeah. I, I prefer to have the place sold out and have that, that real energy, but, you know, these guys wanted to do it, so we're doing it. Is there any chance that, you know, come these fight nights, you hear the roar of the crowd and, you know, it's, it adds something to maybe you go, you know what, maybe, maybe something's better than nothing. You might be right. That might happen, yeah. Maybe that will happen. Nice. Uh, three shows. First one's on ABC, right? Back on network television. Tell me, I mean, it hasn't had a lot of fanfare, right? I mean, it wasn't like press conferences and things like that. But, I mean, is this a big moment to be back on network television? Yeah, I'm excited about it. And, obviously, listen, if you look at what we've accomplished over the last several months, you know, it's, it, it's a big deal. And the one thing that you know you can count on with sports right now is the UFC. So, for ABC to say, hey, we want you to come uh, on the network and put on an event, it just, it just uh, it feels good. I'm happy about it. Right now, we only know one event, but it would seem to make sense. I mean, obviously, it's a big partnership. I mean, are we going to see more of the UFC on ABC, or is this, is this a test run, so to speak? I don't know. Uh, you know, they, they wanted us to throw this on ABC, and we're going to do it. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go out. I think, uh, you know, it's always, when you're on television, no matter where you are, it's about the main event. And I couldn't be happier, couldn't be a better main event to be on ABC than, than uh, Holloway and Cater. So yeah. I'm happy about it. I was going to ask you about that fight. I mean, we know what it means uh, for Calvin Cater, right? I mean, this guy's on their way up, and he wants to prove he belongs to the league. I wonder what you think of Max Holloway, right? I mean, he's had a couple losses, a couple setbacks. I mean, is this, I don't want to say a must-win or a make-or-break, but do you feel like this is one of those kind of crossroads fights in his career where he tries to stay, he's still in the elite status? Well, you got to look. I mean, he believes, and, and other people believe, that he won the last title fight. So, um, you know, the guy's had a couple losses against the guy who is the world champion right now and was the number one contender. So it's not like the guy has lost, uh, you know, like he's slowing down or whatever. He's still one of the baddest dudes in the world. And uh, I expect that fight to be insane. Yeah, no question. It's going to be fun. It's meaningful in the title picture. Um, Volkanovski, Ortega, is that still the plan right now for the title fight in that division? And, and do we have a date on that yet? Don't have a date. Okay. Don't have a date. Yeah. Yeah. But that's still the plan, right? Fair enough. I want to ask you about the co-main as well, Matt Brown and Carlos Condit, right? That was a fight that kind of got moved around a little bit. But a co-main on network television, I got the logic there. Is that just like a fight that there's no way it can suck at all? So you said, this has got to be on network television? Yeah, and I don't see that one going three full rounds either. Uh, you know, two legendary savages in the co-main event. It's going to be fun. Pretty fantastic. On Wednesday, we, uh, we go to ESPN, Michael Chiesa, Neil Magny. I know that wasn't the original main event, um, but you went with that one. What was it about that fight that you identified, hey, we're comfortable putting this in a headliner on ESPN? Magny, as always. Listen, Magny, in my opinion, never gets the credit that he deserves. This guy's fought everybody. He's willing to fight anybody, anywhere, anytime. You have to love guys like that. And uh, I'm actually happy for him to be getting a, a main event slot. And Kiesa's a stud and been around for a long time, too. So this is a, a, a much-deserved fight. You know, not the one that we had planned to be there, but great for both of these guys. Yeah. I wonder what you thought about Leon Edwards. I know you said Edwards and Hamzat was the fight to make, so you're going to keep it together. But was there any thought of, like, dude, it's been, like, 18 months since Leon Edwards has fought. Like, let's just get him anything. No. 
No, that's the fight we want to keep intact. We think that's a fun fight. What's, what's the date on that? Uh, March 13th. March 13th. That's the main event. March 13th. Headlining. Main event, March 13th. Fantastic, fantastic. Then, of course, we get to 257, right? I mean, the crown jewel, the pay-per-view, Conor McGregor's back. I mean, uh, give, give me just the excitement level to be starting the year with Conor McGregor in a, in, in a pay-per-view headliner. Yeah, no, it, it, it's one thing to have Conor back. It's another thing to have Conor back. I mean, this, this, this is the motivated, you know, when, when Conor is like he is right now, you're guaranteed free. And I just saw... A thing with Poirier yesterday where Poirier's like, let me tell you what, if you think that I'm the same guy that fought Conor last time, you're out of your mind, you're going to see a war, and, you're, and, and I believe every word of it. I think that this is the right fight at the right time for both of these guys, and I think it's going to be fun. You've been saying that Connor's kind of switched on right now, right, that you feel like he's dialed in. What do you think motivates him right now, right? I mean, the guy's done everything in the sport. He's obviously got a ton of money in the bank. So what gets him going and gets him dialed into these slots like he is now? I think time off is, is, is what's given him this. Um, you know, he's as famous as famous can be. You said he's got all the money in the world. Um, you know, th th there's a lot of things that drive you crazy about this sport. And it gets you to a point where you're just like, I don't, even, I don't want anything to do with this right now. And then once you get away from it for a while, you start to remember all the things that you love about it. All, you know, and I can imagine for a fighter, I don't know, I couldn't speak on that side, you know, the level of, of, of training that they do and fight week and all the things that go into it. But I think you start to miss it. And I think that's where he was. Um, and I've seen it happen with so many other guys too. Uh, I think that's, that's his motivation right now. Yeah. No, we're all excited about it. the weird thing. His name keeps getting brought up with Manny Pacquiao in boxing. I mean, would that be something you're interested in at all, or should we just as MMA fans go stop talking about it, get rid of it? It's just never going to happen. If he beats Poirier um, next Saturday, he is, um, you know, he's one of the best mixed martial artists in the world. We we did the boxing thing. I would love to see him him fight for the title, or you know. Uh, you know, I'd like to see him, him do that stuff here. I mean, a, a fight with Manny Pacquiao or any other boxers, th those fights are always going to be there in, in his career. Um, so, yeah, it's not something that I'm thrilled about. Nice. Do we have a date dialed in for the Habib meeting yet? Is that, is that scheduled and on the books? Um, no, not yet. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure exactly when he gets here, but when he does, we'll, we'll connect. I texted him before I left Vegas and I said, see you soon. When it does happen, are you expecting to walk away with clarity like that day on, on what the future of the lightweight division, or is it a situation where he'll say, let's meet again in a month and figure this out? I mean, what are you expecting out of that meeting? It's going to be a five-minute conversation. It's yes or no. It's yes or no. I mean, I, when, when I left Abu Dhabi last time and he and I were texting, um, you know, we went back and forth on, on why I think he should keep fighting. And, um, you know, he was super emotional coming out of that fight. So he's had time now to rest, think about it, you know, all the other things. This is going to be a five-minute conversation. So you already started the hard sell on him. Are you, are you feeling good? I know you said you thought you could talk him into it. Are you feeling good, or is, was he pushing back? Yeah, I, th I, th I think he'll fight, but we'll see. It's not going to be, I'm not going to, it's not going to be an argument or, you know, a lengthy conversation. It's going to be a yes or no. Right. Uh, outside of Fight Island, I wanted to ask you, a, a big article came out this week about Spencer Fisher. He's kind of gone public, I guess, with everything that he's been dealing with, potential CTE, that sort of thing. Now that that's all been made public, I mean, do you have any thoughts on that situation? I know you tried to financially help him out for a little while. I mean, 
Do you have any thoughts on that situation? Is there anything you know, we can learn from that situation? Listen, we're all learning every day about the brain injury stuff, you know? Uh, you know, we've been invested in, the, in this Ruvo Center to try to figure out more. We're now interested in this thing just came out on Real Sports about psychedelics, and we've actually reached out to, uh, to the John Hopkins guys, and, you know, we're diving into that. But listen, the, he, he's not the first, and he's definitely not going to be the last. I mean, this, this, is, a, this is a contact sport, and uh, anybody who's ever done this younger, myself included, is dealing with brain issues. It's, it's just it's part of the gig. Yeah. The Trump presidency is coming to a close. I wanted to ask, I mean, obviously you said friend, business partner for a long time. Being how div divisive the whole situation was, do you wish maybe you hadn't got involved in the political side of things at all? I mean, it's just, just a crazy scene. Do you wish you would have steered clear of that at all? Listen, I'm not a political person as it is, but, you know, I've been friends with this guy for 20 years. Yeah. Last thing, 2020 was a crazy year. You said one of the most trying, but you got through it. It was a successful year. Talk to me about 2021. Can you envision the future at all? What do you see? Tease us a little bit on what we can see. You're always saying, stay tuned. We're going to blow your mind. What are we going to see in 2021? Yeah, uh, we're working on some cool stuff. I mean, every year I say to you guys, we're going to take this to another level, this year included. So, um, yeah, we're working on some, some uh, interesting stuff. Hopefully mid-summer maybe and, and uh, early fall, we'll drop a bomb on everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, come on, you got to do more than that. Yeah, you'll see. You'll see. <laughs> I would tell you I'd announce it, but, you know, we got to get it done first. Yeah. Last thing for me I did want to ask, I was intrigued by you telling Brett Okamoto that maybe uh, Zhang Weili would fight in, in China, right? So, I mean, while you said you're focused on Fight Island, you're focused on Vegas, you are starting to explore the possibility of, of, of other sites around the world? Yeah, places that, that will open. I will go. I will be the first. I promise you that. I mean, we know it. Um, so any of these places that start to open, whether it's a Florida or a Texas, and I mean really open, you know, um, I'll be there. All right, so there it was with USC President Dana White. That was to kind of kick off the week, which was kind of cool. We got out of quarantine. That was kind of one of the first things we got to do was to – uh, to go see his private gym setup that he's got set up over there at the W and knock out an interview with him. And uh, a couple things I want to talk about. And then, and then, of course, we'll talk about uh, some of the things that popped up in your conversation as well. Uh, first thing was that I, I really tried to get him to, I don't want to say necessarily commit, but at least give a little prediction. And he wouldn't at all, which I, which I guess is totally fair, um, as to how many times we'll be back to Abu Dhabi in 2021. I guess it's totally fair. I mean, he's how many times did he tell us in 2020, like, I don't even know what's going on with my own business. How do I, how am I supposed to predict anything? Um, I believe it. I don't take that as – I mean, listen, he's, he knows more than he's going to let on to us. That's for sure. But I don't necessarily doubt that he doesn't really know how many times we're going to be back here. But I don't know. Do you have a – you have anything in your gut on, on – on, and I struggle to say that because, like, so much is based around, like, medicine and stuff right that has like nothing to do with us like vaccine distribution and things like that they're like way beyond the scope of anything we know but i mean do you have do you have any, any like prediction in your gut that tells you how many times we'll be back here or how much of a role fight island continues to play in 2021 i don't know man because a lot of my speculation is always built around the fighters they book on certain cards you know so like israel when i saw him booked in march i was like oh that's probably a fight island card right but then the more it gets stacked up, 
you see with like Vegas, Vegas, Vegas. Okay, yep. that's probably Vegas then. So that I don't know about that. But then Volkanovski, I think, is in March as well. I mean, there's rumors of two pay-per-views. Right. Rumors. But if Volkanovski's fighting one, then I would probably assume that was here. So I don't know. I I think we're going to be back here sporadically. I mean, it it feels like we're going to come back here four weeks on three months off four weeks on three months off I feel like that's the way it's going to work yep. but Dana did say in a interview with Brett that they were looking at, at Asia for yeah. a fight with Wiley and stuff like that it's almost like a bit of a mind fuck to think that I, I would rather I'm kind of like it is what it is with Abu Dhabi now I understand the Fight Island experience as it were I'm almost at a point where it's like I'd rather they just stick with this and stick with the Apex and not like take us to a new place to try and finagle, like you know, so they're going to Asia because Asia's open. But I don't know. Like it's, it's. I know. I'm not like someone who thinks the world is ending because of COVID, but I'm still someone who is at least like, well, I'll stay the fuck away from it. Yeah, trying to stay away from it. Yeah, right? you know, I don't really want to get sick. That's all. I just don't feel like being in bed for two weeks. So I don't know how I feel about like, just like he said, oh, we're knocking on the tires of some reed like Florida. Well, I don't want to go to Florida at the moment. Thank you very much. <laughs> so can we not do that? Uh, and Asia and stuff, you know. So I I would feel comfortable with the th- sort of four weeks on here, three months yep. off. That seems like a routine I could, you know. I'm thinking we're at least doing like late March, early April, and I bet we come back in the summer sometime. And then if you think about it, that would kind of... See, I think July will be here. I, I agree. Because they they love an international fight week. Yep. They weren't able to do it this time, mostly yep. because all the Brits kept coming over here and fucking everything up. <laughs> but uh, they want to do an international fight week. By July, Abu Dhabi will be open. Right. You know. I I bet by the next time we come here, they'll try and tell the UFC don't do a bubble. Oof. I bet you. So whether that happens or not, I don't know. But by July, I think we'll, I think we're doing July here. This. I, so I I think we'll be back in. I think we'll be back late spring and then summer for sure. Mm-hmm. We'll see. That's pure guess, pure pure speculation. Uh, but I'm just I, I am curious to see how much. I mean, we know Abu Dhabi's, and to be clear, Abu Dhabi is going to be. I mean. They already had a five-year partnership in place. Yeah, you know, there's probably been some deals worked behind the scenes. I hell, it might be ten years at this point. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way you go this heavy in a commitment for a short well, period of time I, and then don't. I would say don't I, build on I, I don't it. know if it's in writing, but I imagine both sides are like, "Well, let's just fucking do this until yep. we feel like not doing it." You know, completely agree. They, they, I don't think I'm breaking any like crazy like, but they own a bit, right? Some some part of Abu Dhabi owns a bit of the UFC. They reinvested, as I recall. Yeah, yeah so. so do they not just get to tell them like, well, you, we own this much percent of you, so and we want this much part percent of the calendar here? <laughs> oh man, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. It, it, look, it, there's no question. It's been incredibly valuable I, to UFC. I, I, I also think as well. Remember what we had the uh, we got to chat with Dana about the Habib stats and Facebook stuff and stuff oh, yeah, like that. Yeah. The way he was talking about Fight Island and stuff like that, I I personally believe they could reach a point where they make it a yearly thing, like a Fight Island block. Mm-hmm. Probably Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday of a decent fights to rival International Fight Week. So, so. so they get all the Europeans to come here. 100%. Octagon on the beach, all that stuff. Yep. I believe that they'll try and make that like a re- an annual I think thing. so too. It won't be just like we come here and do one Saturday night. No, I think it's like a, a thing. It'll be Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, and that's where, we go. that's where we're headed. Completely agree. It's crazy, right? I mean, like we, we talk about the, the history. And I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about the history and stuff. I mean, obviously, you know, this, this the, you know, COVID in 2020 will be taught in history books forever. And I think that's what's always been interesting to us, right? It's not just fights, but we're kind of documenting some history, whatever. But it is, it is crazy, like how much this probably changed the direction of this partnership and the direction of this relationship and how much the, I mean, 
really think about. I mean, think about how much this could change. How much MMA is important in the Middle East? You know what I mean? Like in the entire region. Well, I was talking about this was I think the Raptors, Dan Hardy's guys, the other day, and we were talking about how big MMA has felt because it's the only sport going. Blah blah blah. How big it's. Mm-hmm. And I remind, I was reminded by an interview that Dana did. I believe did an interview where he was like, you know, if you get someone from China, ex many people sure. that live there like India is still a completely untapped, untapped. completely untapped and there's millions like maybe billions, billions. Yeah. yeah billions in India and he said if you had an Indian champion versus a, an Asian champion like the and and you could stream it worldwide like you can he's like the, with them we're talking views well if you think that they're setting up in the Middle East I know India is not is it in the Middle East does it count <laughs> Asia, no, it's not. It's East, Middle, a- it's yeah. East Asia. Excuse my ignorance. I should know. I'm British and Indian. Anyway, <laughs> um, sorry, but yeah, I, you know, I, I think the the UFC love to set up like pillars of strength, like, sure, around in, in regions. You know, so they set up one in Europe. They set up one in North America, and they, they sometimes it's harder than I think. But I think they've probably. Remember how you used to say Canada was like MMA's home for a while? Right. I think for at least the next five years the Middle East will be home to MMA. Almost. I know that Dane is being a little like facetious when he says the new fight capital of the world. Like, th- Of course, that's bravado, right? Yeah, that's it's hyperbole. Yeah, hyperbole. It's, it's, but there's some legitimacy to it too. You know what I mean? Like, Until the other one can open. Right. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I say it's the international fight capital of the world. I like it, John. Trademark it, put it on a shirt, send it to John Oliver. We're still the domestic <laughs> fight capital of the world in Las Vegas. All right, here's the other one that's, that's interesting, right? And and I won't say that that, uh, that Dana White downplayed this in the conversation, but I feel a little bit surprised that the ABC buzz is kind of subdued. Like I, network television, I mean, I guess this is the time when you can't do a big press conference. You think about the Fox deal, right. and, you know, Joe Rogan in a suit and looking looking silly. They don't know, and he doesn't <laughs> want to wear that. Yeah. Um, you know, we had like a big thing, and 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 this one, I don't know. Like, I mean, I. I not that I want to. I mean, I feel weird that Junkie was the one that reported this. I'm not. I'm not downplaying that. That, right. that you know our reporting skills or any or our importance in the in the in the space. But to me, that seems like a, a, a huge thing that they would want to make sure that they were out in front of, screaming from the mountaintops. You know, how many times have we seen the UFC like big up something that you and I are like, well, that's that's not really that big, a deal. right? But you know, right. I mean? I, I'll tell you I, uh, from my own perspective as an international person, I don't really understand the, sure. the the network TV and stuff. I get it. But when they went on Fox with Kane and JDS, I didn't know like how big a deal that was, but they fucking made sure I did. Right. By, by the time the fights happened, they're like, "This is a massive deal for us." Apparently, ABC is a really big deal. Doesn't feel like it. That's what I get. I, I almost feel like they don't really want to talk about it. I know. I almost feel like Dana was kind of like, yeah, no, it's cool. Yeah. We, d- we don't even know if it's going to continue. Like, talk about downplaying. I know. And here's and you and I were talking about this a little bit off the air before we got started. The one thing that I'll say, and again, pure guess, pure speculation, pure whatever. The only thing I can think is, look, they are going against the NFL playoffs. Right. I know, again, that's an American thing, but I, I understand that you get how big okay. the NFL is. I mean, it's our national sport in, in the United States. I wonder if that's part of it, is that they realize, look, the ratings for this are going to be good. They're going to be good. That's what's like but they're not gonna, Yeah, well, but, right? they're, but they're not going to be amazing because it's going against the NFL. And, and so I wonder if that's the thing is like, hey, let's not 
Let's not have this as our debut. Let's not big up this as our thing. Let's let's hey, let's just make it look like we just oh, oh are we on ABC? I just I just stubbed my little toe Goodness in the water. Goodness gracious, I <laughs> fell and I'm here. Oh, what? How well, do you, did our signal end up on the wrong satellite here? What happened? <laughs> it's easy as ABC. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know what I mean? Like I wonder if there's something to that where they like look. They know that it's it's going to be successful. It's going to be good. But I wonder if they know, like, dude, if we're going against the NFL, we can't. We're not going to kill it. Yeah, so let's not blow it out of the water. I I, I would believe strongly that's a, a possibility. I also wonder maybe is there a strategy in acting like network television isn't a big deal for your brand anymore? Like, yeah, of course we're fucking network television. Look at us. Look how big we are. Like, this is a logical place. <laughs> it's interesting. Up. You know, I'd, it's not like. Dana and the UFC to let something go without an opportunity for a bit of pizzazz. Right. But maybe in the circumstance they thought, well, we can't really do a presser. We can't really, like, bush it to the moon. So let's just act like we've been here before. Yeah. Well, yeah, ABC. It's cool. And you have. You've been, you've been on network television before. I, just, I found that interesting. And that may be something that the average fight fan doesn't care about. But I just, I, like you said, they don't let things go without blowing it up. Put it, put it this way. UFC on Fox... We were talking the other day in a very mundane conversation, but it was we were drinking for three hours. But we were, to- we were talking about the naming conventions of, of UFC fight nights and stuff like right. that. When UFC Fo- on Fox came around, this is po- peeing about the curtain a bit. I knew that to get to get the best views, you would title it UFC on Fox. Absolutely. Right? That's how people are looking for. This time around, I don't feel like UFC on ABC is going to outshine UFC Fight Island 7 or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. I, I don't feel like UFC on ABC has been pushed as a big deal at all. I don't think anyone cares. In fact, it's almost too many letters. And I just think uh, it's kind of been really downplayed. And I'm surprised they've chosen that, that, that like route. It's very much a uh, inside baseball type conversation, but I, I find it interesting. All right. Um, okay. Pure speculation. I don't know if you uh, – here's what I was surprised. And, and, and you, you're going to have, I don't want to say a bias slant on this, but I would be curious to hear what your thoughts are on this. And, and uh, I, I have not, I apologize, I have not had a chance to see your Conor McGregor interview yet. But I guarantee, you guys, <laughs> I guarantee you guys touched on it, so I want to hear about it. Uh, I said from the very beginning, and I didn't feel like I was necessarily rubbing a crystal ball or anything like that, but I, I just thought it made sense. I said from the very beginning that I would not be shocked if on the week of USC 257 – all of a sudden, now it's for the UFC lightweight title, right? I mean, we know oh, the really? meaning. I, I said that from the beginning. Now, I know that uh, Dana White has since come out. I think it was the interview with Brett Okamoto where he said, right, like there's no way yeah. that's that's going to happen. But I thought that maybe at, at some point we, we would hear from Habib and we would find out he's not coming back. Or, or maybe he would come back and it wouldn't be. But I guess what I thought was if Habib decided he wasn't coming back, that the UFC would just – Sprinkle a little salt on the uh, – give, give it a little extra flavor. Like, oh, by the way, did we not tell you – you know, yes, we've got Conor McGregor coming back. Yes, it's the rematch with Dustin Poirier. Yes, it's a fantastic fight. And, oh, by the way, it's for the undisputed UFC lightweight title. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it, now, it, you know, it's been shut down. It's not going to happen. Um, I don't know. But, but bummed at all, I guess, that it's not going to be for the title. Did you ever hold out hope that it could be? Did Conor – I mean, I guess Connor probably always like thought it, it would be nice, right? If I could walk right well, back in and get my belt. Actually, to be fair to Connor, in the interview I did with him today, which I recommend watching it, it's on YouTube, Mac Life. Uh, <laughs> he he said, "If you're not one of the one million subscribers, all you have to do is just click on that button right there." But he said, uh, "Maybe give it a like." He said, uh, "After last year, I didn't exactly think I'd be bouncing in there, and Dana's going to throw me a belt." 
which I was like, okay, fair enough. That's fair, right? I mean, they they publicly. It's it, not like we're pulling the curtain yeah, back. Yeah, they yeah. publicly talked yeah, about. Yeah. So he he said, I didn't exactly think like Dan is going to be throwing me a belt. And he's like, and I get it. He's like, I think it should be for the title. Uh, this is what he said to me. He's like, I think it should be for the title. I think you know they've given Khabib time. He hasn't sort of given them a, a what whatever answer. He's like, so yeah, why not? Let's put a belt on it. Um, for me, I never really thought they were going to part because of what Connor said. I, I felt like Dana might be like, I'm fucking welcoming you back with a, a belt. Uh, and I think if they, if he speaks to Khabib and, and Khabib says, I'm, I'm done, I don't think they'd put its belt on it this late because that's so much promotion that they've missed out on. Like, and you know, and that's da- true. Dana's always, um, impressed upon us the importance of having a title fight right so remember they were going to put uh, Dustin Poirier and Nate as co-main to like Valentina sure. to Jara Eubanks yeah, because yeah. they were the champions yep. I would argue that's you're you're not setting the, the right fight in that but you know they've always like uh, Im- impressed the importance of the championships so I think if they got a Conor McGregor title fight I think they would want more than like a few days to that it. makes sense. Yeah, that's that's a good. I, I guess I thought it would be like just that little extra push at the end. Like, but but you are. You know what? Now that okay, now that we're here on fight week or the week ahead of time, you're right. I, I thought it would be like kind of that extra. Like he's already nice. out there anyway. It would be ni- well, remember when Mansoor stepped in? I I asked Dana one time. I was like, oh, Mansoor stepped in. The pay per view went fucking insane. Have we reached a point now where you don't need months of pre-fight stuff? Right. You can just sort of do it, and the world is that it is. Like, it can consume information enough that. You don't need that sort of lengthy promotion. Yeah. He dis- he disagreed. So, I'll, I'll take his word for it. Yeah. He, he apparently knows what he's doing. Interesting. All right, listen. Uh, I want to say one other thing real quick. Uh, th- that we t- I mean, we only t- – again, this was a very fast-moving interview, and, and I think it'll continue to be a, a point of discussion. But I just did want to give uh, a shout-out to uh, former colleague Stephen Morocco, uh, of course, over at MMA Fighting. Uh, the Spencer Fisher story that he put out this week is is intense, and it's really, really good. And – I, you know, I'm sure at this point, if you're listening to this podcast, you, you know enough about MMA, you're probably aware of this. If you're not, uh, search it out on MMA Fighting. Uh, that'll be the last time you ever hear me recommend you go to MMA Fighting <laughs> for a story. But uh, no, I believe it's uh, the 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 cost of being king. I believe is how they, is how they entitled it. So I'm sure if you if you Google it that way, you'll be able to find it. But uh, Spencer Fisher, um, and this was a story. I'll just, I mean, I'll I'll just tell you. I mean, this is a story that Stephen Morocco has been working on even way back in the time. Um, that he was working for MMA Junkie as well, but uh, nobody would go on record, so th- there was no way for him to report it. Um, and, and finally, he got Spencer Fisher to open up and, and to be willing to go on record. And, and uh, man, he put a ton of effort in this, and obviously um, the entire crew over at MMA Fighting supported his efforts and put that in. Uh, it's a long-ass read, and, and look, I'm just like anybody else. I'm, I'm not uh, the kind of guy that's it's is reading you know books on a daily basis or whatever. I got, I got a ton of stuff going on, but it, it is a very good story and a very – I guess I'd say sobering story, man. Uh, we, we we talk about it sometimes, man. Sometimes we get so caught up in, you know, our passion for the sport um, and the storylines and the excitement and the, the beefs and the, all that stuff that we forget that, that these guys are going in and doing hand-to-hand combat and they're literally putting their uh, – you know, I, it sounds like uh, hyperbole again to say like they're putting their lives on the line, but no, they, absolutely they are. are. They absolutely look, look are. at boxing, man. Look yeah. at, like I think last year three people died. What's the last year? No, maybe 2019 or something. Wow. Uh, definitely got those figures wrong, but I've had four glasses of whiskey <laughs> now, so fuck it. Um, they are putting their lives on the line, and I think we, uh, as conscious as we think we are of the dangers of this sport, yep. you know, I'm sure in 10 years we'll be 
looking back at now and being like, oh, we thought we knew anything then. Right. You know, now we're only reaching a point now where the public consensus is it's not the knockouts that fuck you up, it's the sparring that fucks you up. Right. We're only just got there. And listen, and sports and, 25 years old. And I think I think that story, the Spencer Fisher story, I think shared a lot of that. You know, they talk about the gym wars he went yeah. through, man, and, and, and that is a huge part of it. And boy, I tell you what, I mean, uh, you know, we had conversations with a couple of fighters. Now, we've only seen one card where the fighters, we haven't got to the yeah, other. Yeah. But a lot of them talked about that, right? I mean, they, they it, it seemed like most fighters, especially the older ones like Matt Brown, Carlos Condit, you know, they read the story. They were aware of the story. Matt Brown was very interesting about Matt it. Matt Brown's very, very intriguing. And, it, you know, it's also, it's not just the older fighters. There's certain type of fighters as well, right? Like Matt Brown and Carlos. Yeah. Like, they've been through some fucking wars, man. And it's kind of catch-22. Were they able to go through those wars because they went through those wars in the gym? You know, it's it's not about, oh, this is a real bit of a tangent. Muhammad Ali used to let, supposedly used to let sparring partners beat the shit out of him because he believed that if you got beaten up in training, your body would become, oh, wow. become accustomed. I didn't know that. Yeah, he used to let sparring partners like beat up on him because he felt that your body would become accustomed to being beaten up so you'd become tougher. I don't believe I don't believe physically that's the case, but I would imagine there's something mentally to the fact sure. that if I can get beaten up in training, I can get beaten up in this fight. Sure. I believe that to be the case. So maybe the you know these guys having wars in training probably helped their career, probably shorten their lives. Yeah, I mean it does seem like everybody's moving forward. I mean everything that I hear now, and and, and, it's, and, and how great was it that Matt Brown and Carlos Condit both talked about the importance of coaches, right? Of coaches looking out for people, right? Of of, of having your fighter's best interest at heart because I think they, they realize as those type of warriors uh, that, hey, we're not going to look out for ourselves. You know what I mean? Like, we're not going to make the most intelligent yeah. decisions. you got to look out for us. So, um, but, but you know, making that type of change, and, and it does seem like it is getting a bit more widespread and understood that, like, look, in the beginning of your career, you absolutely need to spar hard. Like, you need to know what it feels like to get hit, to, to what full speed onslaught feels like. You need to know that. But then after that, like once you learn that, now you need to worry about drilling and technique and timing and not going in there and getting your bell rung every day in practice. Well, look, look at the, like Max Holloway doesn't spar in training. Right. Robbie Lawler stopped sparring for a while. I think Cerrone stopped sparring for a while. Connor used to, uh, the Connor and SBG say, you know, upgrade the hardware, uh, software, don't damage the hardware. Right. I think it's starting to seep through. Right. I think there'll always be those kind of, it's probably, it probably depends what level you're at, right? Because I think if you're at a low-level gym, you'll always have sort of meatheads that get attracted to it, and it's part and parcel of it. And look, I think even if you train smarter than anyone in the world, you don't get into MMA and get out freely, you know? Well, listen. Even fucking GSP is like, I got, I don't know where I am for 30 minutes at a time. I know that, uh, you know, Dana's con- – and again, this was a fast-moving interview. We, weren't, we didn't spend a lot of time on it, but Dana's comments I, – I did see a lot of slack where people were like, you know, oh, Dana just says, well, this is part of the fight game. But Matt Brown and Carlos Condit said the same thing. Well, that's amazing. You know, and they said, look, we, you don't get into this and think that you're not getting out of it, like, with something. I think it sounds, like, callous. It sounds like we don't care. It sounds like, oh, we're dismissing it as, like, oh, well, such is life. But, I, I, I mean, as I said to you after we left the Dana thing, like, did anyone think it was good for you? No. Did anyone think, like, I'm going to go get punched in the head a lot and then I'm going to learn pi, right. like 10 figures of it. Right. I'm going to be able to rattle off math. Like, I understand why, I, I mean, and again, I can't take myself back to the 70s or 80s or anything like that, but I kind of understand why, like, fo- even football players, but, like, hockey players, soccer players, they're like, I kind of understand Dude, why they didn't realize that there was problems. But pr- fighting. Prize fighting. Like- well, especially, like, so MMA is obviously uh, 
comes from boxing and, and other stuff, but boxing. Dude, punch drunk is an expression in the dictionary for yeah. people who get hit in the head a lot. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, the scientific name was pugilistic dementia for CTE, right? Pugilistic yeah, yeah. dementia. Guess what? It's not good for you. And, yeah. I, and, and if anything, rather than criticize Dana for sort of sounding blasé about it, and rather than criticizing the sport, I would rather take this opportunity to A, feel fucking awful yes. Spencer at any not to just, but even more his loved ones who have to be yes. around him and deal with it I would rather use this as a learning curve all you pieces of shit who tweet fighters who lose oh you're a fucking pussy and stuff like that this is what they risk and half of them don't even make it right anywhere so how about we show them a bit more respect that the fact that they're being able to yep. put themselves at risk for a feeling of like they want to do this. Yep. They, no one gets into MMA because they're like, I'm going to make a fucking shit ton. They get into it because they have an outlet and they want to pursue it. So instead of, oh, let's use this as a way to damage sport, let's use this as an opportunity to realize that we're dealing with incredibly, they might not all be smart, they might not all be like wise, but they're all brave. Yep. So let's take this as a learning opportunity to realize that we're dealing with it. phenomenal athletes and people and stop criticizing them and just realize like, fuck man, these guys are giving us their life. It's well said. That's well said, man. It really is. I, dude, I, I, I mean, it, it may sound silly, but I, 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 so that that disrespect that you see sometimes, I think people forget about what they really are putting on the line. And I think, I think that's well said. Now, now that's from our point of view, or for, at least from the fan point of view. From the fighter point of view, look, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm being 100 percent honest. I've been covering the sport for a long time. I am not bullish on the on the idea, or not the idea. I'm not bullish on the possibility of fighter organization happening. I've seen it start oh, and stop unions? and fail. Yeah, I, I've seen it start and stop and fail to me, but. Hopefully, maybe this is a topic that can get people to think about it a little bit more. You know what I mean? If there was something that could be done I, to take, because look, and I don't look. I don't care what you think about Dana White. We think about the UFC. We, dude, I'm sorry, but no company on earth is going to lay out what is going to be millions and millions and millions of dollars to talk about you know taking care of people post career, unless their hand is forced a little bit. No, there is no company out there. I mean. Dude, look at look. I mean, look at like oh, the billions that Amazon is raking in right now. Like, if there's a company that could change the world yes. in a heartbeat and not, are they doing? I mean, I know they are doing some things. I'm not trying to say they're not doing it, but no, you know no, what I mean. Like, them. fuck Bezos. Right? <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, nobody's out there just no, like you know what. I just feel like we need to just lay out billions for this. No, uh, they need so? to get together somehow. One of our peers and colleagues said something. I cannot remember. It might have been Ben, folks. I don't know. Maybe I'm giving him too much credit. I don't know. Someone said. If you're able to sign a fighter's likeness and rights for in perpetuity, you should probably pay them insurance for the equal amount of time. I thought that's a fair deal. If you want to use them in video games for 10 years after they've retired, I feel like you should have to at least cover them for some stuff. Not like, look, if no, they. Oh, that's it, not a bad idea. Like, as long as I'm making money, as long as I can sell your likeness right. If, I, if I'm making money off you. I got to cover you in some way. Yeah, I, I t- that seems to me like a very fair transaction. You know, covering your medical insurance. I'm not saying I'm covering every medical expense. Yeah, you have. I'm not saying like if you break your leg skateboarding. Right. Probably not. But I'm carrying but you if, for insurance. If if you're showing signs like this, Spencer is of serious degenerative brain disease and I don't want this sort of like bullshit like we're going to send you to a doctor and he's going to be like, well, there's no conclusive evidence. Like right, if you right. got punched in the fucking head a lot. We'll just agree that that's probably yep. a bit of a factor. I think it's absolutely completely fair to say, look, if we're going to use your likeness, if we're going to put you in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. 
if we're going to have you in the video game even after you've retired like I think it's fair to ask to take care it's of fair. Guys. If we're if we're if we're selling you know for selling our library if somebody's paying us licensing fees for our library now look if they're only paying like I would say that if they're only paying us for live events well you're no longer a part of those live events anymore yeah. so now, but if yes they are replaying our fights and they're paying us and your fight is being replayed you know it's like, kind of like a royalty for music right like every time exactly. your song gets downloaded on iTunes but you don't but you can make a deal where okay we're not going to pay you every time we play your fight right right but look, if, as so, long as it's in the rotation. So some someone who comes to mind, like uh, this is like pure, just random. Don't take this as if I know anything. Don Fry, right, right. How many times do you think his fight with Takayama, even though it's over in Pride, but still they do own Pride now, so it's still they, technically a USC fight. But like, how many times have they played that? Oh, ad nauseum. And how many times do you reckon the three thousand punches he took in that fight probably fucked him up a little bit? Right. There you go. Something to that. Do you know what I mean? I, that's I, not a bad idea. I, I, I'm not even one of these like irrational, uh, not irrational. It's a fair thing, and I understand it. But I'm not one of these people who's like, ah, oh, you have to pay them more. Whatever. I think fighters should get paid more. Mm-hmm. But I'm not one of these people who can't see the logistics of a business and, and and how that plays out. But I think this is an area like the UFC want to be better and more structured than boxing. Here's an opportunity. Like you know, they, and they've done such good work with the PI. So nutrition is better in this sport than in boxing. Yeah, they've done a great job. With loads of other shit that I can't think of right now. The but PI sure. has been fantastic. Yeah, I know P- a lot of people like in the beginning were like, ah, whatever, what yeah, is this? But right. it's, dude, the athletes will tell you how amazing it's been yeah, for them. They've done loads of good shit. And I think this is an area like, if you gave someone health insurance even after they retired from fighting, it's not a bad look, dude. It's not a bad look, man. It's good it, for PR. Like, fucking just do great it. Great for PR. Wouldn't be cheap. Wouldn't be cheap. Yeah, well, they got, doing bit, all right. they got a bit of cash. They're doing all right. They're building a hotel. They're building a hotel. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this card a little bit. Uh, UFC on ABC One. Uh, listen, this main card, I, I said it a week ago when I, when I started getting a little uh, understanding what the main card was going to look like. It's fantastic. Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. Uh, we saw them today at a face-off. Uh, did you glean anything from the face-off? I mean, look, they're, they're not the most. No. I know. That's why I was just trying to get I mean, they're not trash talkers, but not only are they not trash talkers, like they're not the kind of person that's going to like bow up on you. or try. I mean, look. They they made it clear they're there. They they you know they weren't breaking was, eye yeah, contact. It was it was good, but it wasn't anything. We're like, hey, one guy's trying to stare into another guy's soul, or they're trying to talk to him about anything. I, I so I didn't take too much out of the face off today, other than it was a photo opportunity, and that's cool. Um, respectful guys, not trash talking guys. I'm excited for the fight. I think stylistically, it should be very very exciting. Plus, probably one of the best we're gonna see. I, I I am thrilled by it. I um. It's weird that Calvin Cater is the older guy, right? Isn't is that he? Weird? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I think that's so funny, man. He's been around the game for a long time. How old is Max? Uh, 32 for Calvin Cater, 29 for Max Holloway. Max Holloway is my age. Oh, is that right? Are you f- Please don't tell me I'm older than Max Wait, Holloway. Maybe dude. I got that wrong. <laughs> oh, my God. This no, he's 29. Max Holloway is 29 yeah. years old. <laughs> What, 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 what have you? I mean, are, are you saying that you haven't lived up to to Max Holloway in terms of accomplishments? I'm older than Max Holloway. Oh my god! <laughs> how long was his undefeated streak? The world just changed for you. Hey, he was a baby when he came to the. Bro, how he young is baby. that guy? And he was like, just, I can't remember if he was. Tw- I think it was just twenty when he came. He's to the arguably not even in his athletic, in his athletic prime. prime. Well, see, that's what I'm. Okay, so that. That's what I'm intrigued by here, right? Like, Calvin Cater is like the hot commodity. (laughs) (laughs) Calvin Cater is the hot commodity here, right? Like, he's the guy that seems to be on the streak up. But, you know, you think back to Max Holloway. And listen, I know I'm in the minority here. I actually did score that last fight for Alexander Volkanovsky. 
But those first two rounds, Max Holloway looks so damn good, man. He looks so. And he's damn always good. accused of a slow starter as I well, know. right? I, I think. Uh, oh man, it's it's such an intriguing fight because I feel like both of them are just going to box. I feel mm-hmm. like it's going to be very little kicking. I do too. And Calvin's a great boxer. I know. And I would argue that he hits harder than Max. I think so. And I think he's got good cardio. Yep. So Max's late flurry might not hurt him as much as it did like Brian. Right. But man, Max is good at fighting. <laughs> see, that's where I'm that dude, and see that's exactly where I'm at. I didn't want to set up too much. But listen, in my official pick with MMA Junkie, I went for Calvin Cater. But it's those things you said. I feel like this is going to be uh, the majority of it is going to be a boxing fight. And because of that, I'm not saying that Max Holloway is not a great boxer, but I feel like Calvin Cater is just a touch above in boxing. Like if they were to box, if they were to literally just, just box, box, I would pick Calvin Cater. Yeah. Well, I think because he hits harder. Right. You know, it just it just makes a difference. But then Max has has Max ever been like properly dropped? No. Even Dustin like had him rocked bad, but right. never put him down. But that I mean. But just- but 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 what I but here's what I'm saying is if you're gonna pick Calvin Cater. Does that mean you're fading Max Holloway and saying he does? Because I I don't feel that way. Like I don't feel that like I'm I'm going to see a a, a, a lesser version of Max Holloway. I guess it's you know the silly styles make fights type of thing. I guess that's what I'm leaning towards. I know it's a cliche, but I guess I'm leaning towards here. But I want to make sure that I'm I'm maybe in my head I'm I am giving too much to Max isn't a hundred percent Max anymore. Yeah, it's funny, right? Because you could well. The first Volkanovski fight, I, I felt was pretty clear, but you know maybe he got his tactics wrong or something like that. He certainly what let, let's put it, he certainly wasn't hurt. You know he was fine. He right. just was beaten. He was outpointed. The second fight was razor thin. It, the second fight, I think I scored it for Max, but I remember it being one of those fights where it's like the rules kind of fucked him in that he won the fight but he lost the bout. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. But, you know, so yeah, it's one of those ones. But I mean, but when you you just think of Max, oh, he's lost twice. You just sort of in your brain, you're forced to imagine him as a lesser version of himself. Yep. But in actuality, he was so competitive against Volkanovski, and maybe Volkanovski's just that good. You know, we just don't. You know, he hasn't forged his own legacy yet. So it's quite possible that on Saturday Max comes out and it's a Roy Jones moment, and y'all must have forgot, and he just kind of fucks Calvin up. Which I have to be honest, I'd love to see because I love a bit of Max. Oh, Max is such a great, but guy. I love Calvin too. It's yeah. not to disrespect him, but like, it, man, it would fuck the UFC up if he did smoke Calvin, wouldn't it? They'd be like, what do we do? With this what do guy? we do now? God, we gotta have him fight Volkan. Then I guess you just become an Ortega fan. Look, I, and I, it, man, that's hard too because I like Volkanovski a lot and I like Ortega a lot. I mean, obviously, Volkanovski's never going to be appreciated, man. He's going to be like Demetrius, I think, where oh. no one's going to really like really get it until he's gone. Until he's gone, you're, like, okay. you're right about that. I think you're 100 percent right about that. Because so here's the thing: is Volkanovski beats Ortega? We don't have a date on that, as we, as we heard from talking to Dan earlier. We don't have a date on uh, Volkanovski uh, Ortega. But if Volkanovski wins, I don't, even if Holloway beats Cater, I don't know if you, you can't, you can't again, go straight man. back to you Holloway, right? At that point. I guess if you're the UFC, you're hoping for a uh, you're hoping for an Ortega win, right? Because the Ortega Holloway rematch would be pretty sick. I mean, but then, that fight what, was but, then what, but then does Volkanovski get dicks because he's not like the most charismatic and fucking you know? Does that does then he get dicked? Like they're gonna be like, well, yeah, you know, Holloway he's the champion again, and you beat him twice, so the rematch doesn't make sense, even though he's the champion now. You know, does, does he get fucked up? I I I wouldn't. I wouldn't be like opposed to the idea. Maybe this is a selfish thing as a fan. If the if Volkanovski beat Ortega and Max beat Calvin, 
I wouldn't mind the UFC saying to Max, here's a bit of money, take nine months off and put on £10. <sighs> Not a bad idea. I'd like to see him go up because I think the Dustin thing... The Dustin fight is so interesting because they looked so different in right. weight. And I remember when Dana came back and was like, I thought Max was so undersized. I felt completely the same. But I rewatched it. Max actually kind of fucked up Dustin too in that fight yep. because everyone forgets it because of the Izzy fight. Of course. But he actually really had moments. Yeah, he did. Dustin was just better that night. Yeah. Give him a bit of time to adjust to the weight. And I think Max could be decent at lightweight. Yep. So I would, I, I would like to see it. I'd like to see Max... I'd like to see that move, and if he if he can't rematch Volkanovski because it's Volkanovski, I'd like to see him just pop up, you know. It's big stakes. Who doesn't want to see Holloway like Holloway Nate Diaz at one fifty five? There you go. Book Done. it. Done. Uh, Matt Brown, Carlos Condit. Uh, listen, br- I, I said it before, but I'll say it again. Brilliant matchmaking, I think, for network television, especially like yeah. two known commodities, known names, and not superstars. I mean, I, I would, I would, I would say Condit is probably the more widespread name, of course. But sure. anybody that likes MMA likes Matt Brown. Um, two guys that are going to bring it. And by the way, um, two guys who, as we spoke to this week, uh, Matt Brown kind of teased that, hey, you know, maybe this will be my last fight. I don't think he was really saying it necessarily was. I think he basically said, I've been thinking about it a lot lately. I think about it every time I fight. But he did kind of seem, hey, man, maybe this could be it. Meanwhile, Carlos Condit said, this is the last fight on my contract. So, I mean, a lot at stake here. Um, but what was, I think, more amazing was the fact that both of them were like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I got a lot of respect for the for the, for my opponent, man. Like, a fellow legend, man, a great scrapper. And we're going to fuck him up. Yeah. And I thought that was so amazing because both guys were just like, oh, no, no, no. I am so happy to be paired with a guy what like this. What a great guy, man. Great He's so dude. cool. And I'm going to fuck him up. And I just I was like, these are the OGs. Yeah, it was uh, it was awesome, dude. When, when, you know, when you think of Carlos versus Matt Brown, you think, oh, this is going to be a bloodbath, a, a war. These two are going to hell. And then uh, you spoke to Matt Brown. He's like, oh, no, <laughs> I think I'm going to dominate him, actually. I think I'm better than him everywhere. And then Condit came out, and I was like, well, as a shit stare that I am, I said, oh, uh, Matt says he's going to go through you. And he was like, oh, that's cool. That's that's nice. And then he just paused and went, I'm going to fuck him up. Man. You can <laughs> see like it, so the good. switch. And oh, dude, I just, I tell you what, both of the guys exude the same sort of energy where it's so, it, it's calm, sociopath. You know, it's the, both of them are just like so chilled. Yeah. Like, we, we walked Quiet out. Quiet volume. We walked out of the media room. Carlos Condit is there looking at the board that people can sign their names yeah. on. He's like, well, who the fuck's that guy? <laughs> you know, just having a good time and then they can just switch but they don't switch in like a crazy aggressive yeah. manner. They switch just like, oh, oh I'm going to get you. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. I fucking love it and when Condit said, I'm going to fuck him up though, I was literally like, yes, get that's, man, the main event's great but uh, the co-main event is I'm as anticipated. Well, I think it's co-main, right? It is co-main. Yeah. Dude, well, listen, it, it, this thing has been bouncing around from car to car. I mean, look, it was supposed to happen years ago, but even once it got booked here, it kept moving around. And I was like, where are they? Like, I actually had to like ask our staff one because it had been reported on like three yeah, it was cars. All over the place. I remember I literally asked our staff in chat one day on Slack. I was like, does anybody know what date this is actually happening? And then they put it in the co-main event on network television. And I was like, perfect. You could even put it Absolutely there. Absolutely perfect. Put it there or you put it as the opener. But they put it as opener and then they bleed the fuck out of it. <laughs> People might be like, oh, God. Yeah. So I remember when... Uh, oh, I watch this. Was it Shogun and Henderson went water war and they're like, oh, do you wish that was on Fox instead? And he's like, probably no, not. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Fox executives don't. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a fantastic one. All right, listen. Uh, we'll talk about a couple other fights, but uh, I want to pl- play a little... Uh, I don't want to say breaking news. It's kind of being announced as we're recording this, but I had a little insight on it. Had, before, we, before we sat down to record this, I had a chance to talk about... Uh, to talk with... Um, 
Jeff Davitsky, basically, about some pretty cool stuff that I think is going on. Listen, again, it's, it might be one of those things that uh, some people don't care about if you're just a fight fan, but I, I, I love stuff like this. Basically, the UFC and USADA have made a huge uh, announcement, um, and, and, it's, and, I'll, and I'll read you part of the press release here before we get into this interview, but it's it boils down to this. Positive tests for carboxy-THC, the psychoactive ingredient in cannabis, will no longer be considered a violation of the UFC anti-doping policy. Uh, so there you go. Weed tests will no longer be a violation of the UFC anti-doping policy, which I think is absolutely fantastic. And this is something I said all along. You cannot compete under the influence of marijuana. You can't compete under the influence of anything. But what they're going to look for is is signs of impairment. That's not about a blood test that recognizes some nanogram thing that may mean something that may not, that detects something from weeks earlier, from from whatever. It's going to be whether or not you're impaired. And I thought this was cool. We, we talk about this, but um, they actually used, the science they used to back this up was from a, a 2017 report from the U.S. Department of Transportation to Congress. I mean, they're, they're not just out here going like, eh, we don't care if people smoke weed. Let's just get at it. So, uh, listen, I had a chance to talk to Jeff Davitsky about it. I think it's a spectacular. It's something that I've kind of been, you know, I'm not I'm not a huge cheerleader for, for, for change and that sort of thing. I feel like my job is just to document stuff, not to try to push it forward. Um, but I was – I've mentioned this once or twice before along the way, and I was glad to see it happen. So uh, here was a conversation I had uh, right before we sat down to do this with Jeff Nowitzki talking about uh, the new rules. Morgan, what's happening, buddy? Not much, brother. How you doing? I'm doing well. How's Fire Island? It's, uh, it's it's not too bad, other than time change. You know what I mean? You never quite get a sleep schedule down. But, uh, well, listen, uh, let's get into it. I won't waste your time either, man. I mean, uh, this is a kind of a big moment for a lot of people, right? I mean, uh, this is – change that a lot of people have been asking for so um g- give me the idea what was the motivation i mean i know you see the complaints and obviously there's growing national acceptance of marijuana and that sort of thing but um but what's your motivation to get in and say yes let's let's make a change here let's make an impact yeah i mean absolutely there's one motivation it's fairness to athletes and this i mean this came on my radar as soon as i got here because that was right in the middle of nick diaz and nevada's attempts to basically ban him for life for a marijuana test when, you know, he had a couple tests that night. I forget what the exact details were that were under the threshold and then one way over. And then right away, I'm like, there's something going on with these levels here that may not, you know, correlate exactly to what we're really concerned about. And that's impairment. Right. So, um, you know, I think that combined with what's happened over this last year, all these last minute ads because of the COVID era, and all these fighters testing positive and me talking to them, them telling me, look, I stopped when I signed the contract on Tuesday or Wednesday. So, you know, we started looking harder and harder into the thought that is there any correlation whatsoever between a level and impairment? And the answer is there's really no science to support that. In fact, there's science, the opposite of that, that there, there isn't correlation uh, what we, we still care about, we don't want anybody fighting high and, you know, either being a danger to themselves or having an advantage, but, you know, clearly the levels in somebody's urine is not the answer to that. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting because um, you guys cited the Department of Transportation study, right? This says cognitive uh, test is the way to go in terms of impairment. I mean, it always... 
it always seemed like common sense to me, right? Like levels don't matter. Impairment does. I mean, that's like with alcohol, right? I mean, you, you can't let a fighter fight drunk, uh, but you're not testing to see if they drank, you know, two nights before or something like that. So um, I don't know. I, I found that really interesting, right? I mean, you, you can't just make a common sense, um, you know, a common sense analysis. I guess did that study, was that, was that very helpful in you guys reaching this conclusion? Very helpful. I think it was the, the driving factor in, you know, USADA being willing to do it and us being, you know, we wanted some science to back this decision. And I think that does. And, you know, clearly on a, on a, on a level of importance, somebody's freedom, you know, being arrested or convicted is at a higher level than, you know, than sports. And even in that world, they're saying, look, you can't rely on blood or urine tests. You have to, you know, rely on some type of visual evidence of impairment, whether it's a, you know, a cognitive impairment test or whatever. And so, yeah, that's the, the, the new prong that's added that will require, will be a requirement to, for USADA to ever bring a case for marijuana. It doesn't matter if the level's 151 nanograms or a thousand nanograms. There has to be definitive evidence of impairment. Um, and, you know, the reality is I would hope that that I've never seen it in my six years that I've been here. I'm backstage before fights a lot. Um, I've talked and interacted with fighters who ultimately did test positive. Um, I saw zero evidence that they were impaired. And I think it's because they weren't. Marijuana is a unique substance, which is fat soluble. And depending on how often you use, how your body metabolizes, um, you know, it's going to be in your system potentially at over 150 nanograms for days, if not weeks. And that's just getting beyond the scope of what we want any anti-doping program to be about. We're only concerned with the effect that it has on the fighter when they're competing. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, you got to get USADA to sign off of this. I guess, what is the process to, to make this happen? I mean, obviously, um, you know, USADA kind of works for you guys. So is it, is it as simple as you saying, stop testing for this? Or do you have, I mean, how, how does this whole process work? No, it's not that simple because they work under that WADA umbrella, the World Anti-Doping Agency. And, and look, their, their primary business is still U.S. Olympic athletes under that. So I, I think they want to maintain a standard. But I've been, you know, very pleasantly pleased about what we've seen from USADA over these last few years. Very progressive changes to our policy that are outside of the scope of that WADA world. Um, introducing the thresholds for certain substances so that if you're under 100 picograms of the M3 metabolite, you know, it's not a violation. That's, that's not the case in the water world. And now this, you know, kind of progressive rule with marijuana. So they do have to have a level of comfort. Ultimately, it is our program. But, you know, they could tell us, that, look, I'm not comfortable, you know, administering or running a program if you guys, you know, want the rule to be that. So, um, there, there definitely is, you know, the USADA factor that comes into play, but, uh, as long as the science supports it and it, it certainly does here, uh, I think they'll be comfortable with it. So the one, oh, I guess there's a couple caveats. The first one I would say is, um, you know, unless additional evidence exists that an athlete used it intentionally for performance enhancing purposes, um, I know that's kind of maybe broad stroke language and, and you know, legal yeah. language, but I mean, it, are there, it, you know, proven performance enhancing purposes for marijuana? Yeah, I don't even know that to be the case. And I think, you know, I think the standard that's going to be used is impairment is inherently going to be performance enhancing. So if they can show that someone's impaired, they're going to say that inherently means performance enhancing. I, I think the argument would be, and I mean, I guess I could see this is, Maybe you could take more damage, you yeah. know, more pain during a fight if yeah. you're high. Um, 
clearly a lot of people use it for anti-anxiety. So it kind of calms your nerves down. That could, you know, nerves are a big part of this sport. Uh, I could see that being an advantage. Now, look, I, I think they're, they're, you know, they're marginal, the advantages of the performance enhancing. Um, and, and really my hope is we never, you know, see another sanctionable marijuana case again in our program. I don't think that they're ever, you know, absent a fighter, you know, lighting up a joint backstage, coming into the locker room, stumbling over themselves, you know, reeking of marijuana. I just don't see that they're ever going to be able to, you know, to meet that criteria going forward. Yeah, it makes sense. Now, the other key I think that everybody has to be aware of is that commissions do still have jurisdiction here, right? So, I mean, uh, you know, we just saw Bavon Lewis, you know, this week uh, get get popped yep. by Nevada. So, I guess it's important for people to realize that local commissions do still have, you know, jurisdiction with their own policy. Um, Would you be actively kind of lobbying to, to work with those commissions to, to perhaps adopt this? A hundred percent. It's, it's already started. Um, I had a great call today with Andy Foster. Uh, he actually leads the ABC Medical uh, Committee. Um, and he showed interest in putting it before them. Uh, he thinks that they can get a recommendation to, you know, to adapt this by them. Um, but yeah, especially the major commissions, we've already begun that process. We've already shared, you know, the science data, that DOT report, um, you know, our thinking behind it. So yeah, on one hand, I really want to temper everybody's excitement over this because you're right. You're still dealing with, we're going to be fighting in Nevada for most of our fights this year. Right. And Nevada still, you know, maintains that 150 nanogram. Um, so to temper that, but look, we've got to set an example and make a first step. And I think we've done that here. And, you know, I, I, I hope that the receptiveness and, you know, positive, um, you know, feelings about this, you know, maybe put a little bit of pressure on these commissions to change their rules. Yeah. It, it'll probably garner a few less headlines, but you added uh, another accredited certification agency. I guess I just wanted to get you to talk about that. I mean, uh, I, 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 I think some people don't understand. I mean, there's literally a roadmap of what you can take and what you can't take, right? So what's the importance of adding another accredited agency? There is. So Informed Choice has over 400 certified uh, to tested supplements. So when you put the six of those, um, you know, companies together, you're talking in excess of 2,000 certified and tested supplements available throughout the world. Um, you know, Asta, one of them, they're uh, kind of, you know, Australia, New Zealand, Asia based. You have the Cologne list, which is European based, uh, informed sport and informed choice all over the world. So, yeah, we, you know, that's definitely the right play as it comes to supplements to have an approved line of supplements. But being that we're a global sport, we need to make sure these supplements were available all over the world. So informed choice helps add to that. They're, they're, you know, kind of on a world platform and they have additional, you know, additional 400 supplements that they certified. So I'm really happy about that. And indeed, I mean, we've seen the numbers, we still get them, but we've seen the number of contaminated supplement cases go down significantly since we provided that roadmap in the policy to, you know, a formally approved line of supplements. So this is just, you know, a positive addition to that. Yeah. Fantastic. Last question I had, Jeff, I mean, what do, what do, changes like this mean to you i mean i know that you're you're a stickler for the policy and the rules and enforcement and doing things all the right way i mean you know law is your thing right so i mean what does it mean to you when you see things like this change i mean is it is that a positive is it i mean what do you what do you take out of it right that that, i mean you can adjust this kind of overarching policy that we have yeah i mean i'm I'm super proud about all the revisions that that we've made because i think if you look at each time that we provide the policy 
They've been done on rules, which uh, are, I don't know what the word you want to use, a credit to the athlete. They're more athlete fairness versus making the program more rigid and more strong. And, you know, I've said, and I will continue to say that fairness and due process in a in an anti-doping program are just as important as strength, comprehensiveness of the program. If an athlete even has a perception that a rule is wrong or unfair, they lose confidence in the entire program. And, you know, in my experience, they potentially start ways to find, you know, ways to get around it. So, I mean, based upon my, you know, informal discussion, I mean, there's a significant, you know, number percentage of athletes that choose to use marijuana, many for legitimate reasons outside of recreational, many use it for pain control, anti-anxiety to, to sleep in lieu of, you know, more dangerous, more addictive drugs. So, you know, hopefully this being the first step to, to opening that up so that an athlete on, you know, Wednesday night of fight week, instead of going to a Vicodin because their knee hurts and they can't sleep, you know, can use a little bit of cannabis and get to sleep and have that pain control. And I mean, it, it, it has no effect whatsoever on a competition on, on Saturday night. So it's the right move. And yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited about this revision and, and that specific policy change. All right, so there's the man, Jeff Nowitzki, talking about the changes. Uh, listen, like I said, uh, maybe some people don't care, but I think this is a, I think this is a great, uh, a, just a great thing for fighters moving forward. I mean, uh, listen, we know they use it for pain management. They, they We know they use it for anxiety. Uh, I just don't see why it shouldn't be okay. Again, you shouldn't smoke weed in the locker room and go to the fight. Just like you shouldn't be drunk the night of a fight. That's impairment. But I'm, often, it, I'm often drunk the night of a fight. Well, that's a totally different situation, sir. That's yeah. a totally different situation. All right, hopefully uh, people did find that a little bit interesting at least. Um, okay, listen, uh, the rest of this main card is fantastic. I, I think the one that, that means the most, right, no question about it, is uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Lee Jingling. And, 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 and I don't um, – not that it doesn't mean something for Lee, it does. I mean, it's it's unfortunate he's coming off a, a loss after he had a, a fantastic run going. Um, but Santiago Ponzinibbio, what the guy has dealt with over the last two years to get back to where he is. I think people have completely forgotten about how good this guy is. And, uh, I mean, this is a, a – I don't know. Can you have a coming out party if you've already – I don't want to say if you've already come out that time. You know what I mean? Can you have, if you're if you if you were already stuff? I mean, this guy lost everything and he's trying to reestablish himself. I think this this is a a big moment for him and to me, um, a fight that maybe people aren't given the, the the love that needs to. Because listen, Joaquin Buckley, the viral superstar. Okay, that's amazing. They they gave him a fight that I think they feel pretty comfortable. I, that should have been the James Krause fight. I'm sorry, it should have been yeah. the James Krause fight. Uh, Puna Soriano versus uh, Dusko Todorovic is a, is a great fight. Two undefeated guys. Um, it's no question what the UFC was trying to do here, right? They're trying to make an action pack card. It's going to be. But I will say that fight uh, between the Leech and between uh, oh, he's not Gente Boy anymore, right? He's the Argentine Dagger. I think I heard Anik talking about or something like that. But anyway, Santiago Ponzinibbio, big one. Uh, what am I missing? I mean, that's that that's the one that means something, right? The others are the, the others. Everything I think everything on this main card in the ABC is designed to just be like, let's have some fun. Casual fans tuning in, they're gonna love MMA. But that one, to me, if if you weren't thinking about it, think about it. It's got some it's got some real meaning in terms of of, of what the fight means itself. Yeah, man. I mean, like we were talking earlier about the you know it's all the lead up to McGregor card and stuff like that, but 
This card, I think, has merit on its own. I yes. really do. If you look down this card, it's there's there's a few few names and certainly some fights that I, that really stand out to me. Wednesday, maybe there's a case, but I mean <laughs> Saturday, I, like obviously Buckley, you know, he's back to his stomping grounds, as it were. I think that guy's maybe got a ceiling, but in terms of mm-hmm. entertainment, I think he, he's always down for one. I actually really like the Dusko. Dusko. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I also like Puna actually. He's I, know. I I like both of them. We saw Puna on the, the Contender series, obviously. Yep. I like both of that. That that could be exciting. I think, um, uh, dude. I don't know why it's, it's funny as well because UFC career's not been like fucking amazing. But basically, I watched John interview Justin Taffer down in Melbourne, and I was like, <laughs> literally, I was like, that guy's such a cool. Fucking, he's a character. He, right? he's, like, he's so cool. He's you know that the typical Samoan sort of like just yep. hard but cool guy. Um, and and Carlos Felipe, obviously, I just think that's gonna that has potential to just be, I mean, either a shit show or like a really fun heavyweight fight. Yep. So that's the one I, I'm looking forward to, uh, out, outside of the co-main and main, and I think that's the one I'm looking forward to the most. Actually, I agree. I think it's gonna be. I, look, I I think they they built this card for a purpose. It's 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 appealing to the casual fan. Yeah. And Look. It, it's 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 a six hour long commercial for the USC 257 pay per view. Yeah, and, and listen, like I, I'll take a moment, you know, because what the listeners don't realize is John just had to do a radio spot, and I just <laughs> sat here and progressively got completely and utterly drunk. So, but um, I did do another interview while that interview was playing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I've now we're gone now, but I have to say that uh, the matchmakers have done a great job. Like in in terms of finding, you know, the names might not be so hot, but like so. Ponzinibbio versus Lee. I can't even pronounce his first name. You can say it like Santiago Ponzinibbio. I keep calling come. him Jingling. That's what, well. <laughs> Santiago, God bless him. It's his. It's his second language. I think it might be his third language, but uh, well, technically, English. Ch- technically he, Chinese is my second language. He, he just so. call, He just calls him Jingling, which I thought was pretty funny. That's fun. a song. I'm like, I don't think that's it. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's got a little rhythm to it, but I don't think that's it. But, <laughs> but that's uh, that's the meaningful. Fight. I, dude, it's going to be a fun fight. It's going to be a fun fight. Card. I think it's going to be. Yeah. No. It, it, there. Look with. Without sounding like a spoiled bitch, there are cards mm. where you look at it and you're like, "There's no name value." Oh fuck, you know that the site's not going to do great traffic. It, it's kind of, damn it, you know. But on this card, I see so many little matchups. I'm like, "Well, that's going to be fun to watch." And and I think I can, I think I can convert myself back into a fan for a few hours, you know. And that's to say nothing of Phil Hall's being on there, who's a guy that we yeah, followed forever on being, you know, kind of potential next level guy but uh you know Nasruddin Imovov who we fought fans dude fans fans the dirty people coughing and spluttering I'll be in the back (laughs) (laughs) are you are you actually are you gonna stay at the back do you think Uh, you know what most of it I mean that's what I got I mean listen we have to work got to bark back there anyway but I I, I will try to sneak out a little bit and and get a little bit stay a safe distance away from those fans I think I'll watch the oh fuck dude I wouldn't mind watching Ponzinibbio work though Oh Buckley! Oh my God! This is a good card. Hey, look! It looked like the press room and the in the press row were pretty close, so we can maybe move back and forth a little bit. Yeah, but you know these scrubs, John. They try and take spaces where they're not wanted. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, listen. I gotta let Hot T go because he's he's gone before he says something that he regrets. Yeah. We should probably wrap things up. <laughs> we'll be back with plenty more from Fight Island. It's all a big commercial for USC 257. It all leads to Conor McGregor. That's why we had hot tea. Oscar Wills from the Mag Live. We know what it's all about. In the meantime, until that happens, we'll be back and a half over on patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. Blah, 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 blah. Thanks for listening.